Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, goaltenders. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks audio experience for another week on the show and bring you leading goalie development conversations with industry's best minds on a bi-weekly basis now. And this week, we won't waste any time diving into it as I had Alex Westland on the show, former pro grizzle veteran with over 760 professional games played during his playing tenure, now turned NHL coaching veteran being named the goalie coach for the Washington Caps AHL team the last five seasons and Alex gives us an amazing inside look into the relationship you know he develops to work with his goaltenders the key aspects he typically focuses on to help give his uh, help his guys find success at the next level the ups and downs of his personal playing career at the next level and what it truly takes to get an opportunity and be successful at the highest levels of hockey across the globe and Alex is a great guy and was really grateful for him to make some time uh, to come onto the show today and we had a great time and it turned into a fire conversation so without further ado let's get into this week's conversation i know you're gonna love the chat alex and i had today hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the goalie hacks podcast and today on the show i have another stellar guest lined up former prep college and pro veteran standout now turned nhl coaching veteran at the next level and that gentleman is alex westland and after growing up in new jersey alex went on to play u.s prep at the lawrenceville school as well as westminster for several years before eventually moving on in 1995 to play for Yale University for four seasons, playing almost 100 games with the squad during his tenure, winning several league and personal accolades during his time there. And after college, Alex went on to play over 760 professional games spanning across the globe from the American League and the ECHL over to Western, Mid, and Eastern Europe, playing coast-to-coast throughout his professional career, winning several personal accolades as well as a league championship in 2012. He additionally represented Team USA in the World Championship on one occasion in 2003. And since retiring back in 2014-15, has moved on to coach in the top German league in the DEL, the top Russian league in the KHL, and now for the last five years has been the goaltending coach for the Washington Capitals AHL team, the Hershey Bears. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome him into the show today to chat some goaltending development. Coach Westland, how you doing? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Good, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, great to go on a call here and, and super grateful to have you on. I know you're just uh, you're about coming off your all-star break, so I appreciate you making some time to chat. And, and big shout out to Carl Gehring from uh, North Dakota, a previous uh, friend and guest of the show, uh, hooked me up with Alex and, and really excited to jump into his impressive career and coaching experience at the next level. But, uh, you know, we we're kind of just chatting before the call a little bit. Maybe you can just briefly dive into you know, uh, how things have been going in terms of development with your goaltenders and, and some of the challenges you and your guys have uh, had to overcome due to COVID the past few seasons? Um, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing COVID's done for us, uh, I think in general, um, the scheduling and, and just sort of the getting into a rhythm and a routine. Uh, in pro hockey, you kind of always have to be adaptable um, yeah. to kind of quick changes, whether it's injuries, call-ups, um, whatever that might be. But there's... Uh, I think this has thrown like a whole nother wrinkle into it. So I think just kind of being yeah. showing up at the rink, not being ready, like not necessarily knowing what you're getting into that day, but just trying to make the most out of it. For sure. um, so I think that's been the kind of toughest thing uh, for the, for the goalies or for the athletes in general. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, we were saying like, hopefully we're, we're kind of moving past this. I mean, the, the flu has been, not to take away anything from the severity of, of obviously COVID and, and uh, you know, the deaths and what it's brought and stuff. But, you know, the flu is is the flu. It's been around for a long time. Hopefully we can kind of just start moving past it and, you know, things can stay open and we don't have so many disruptions and uh, hopefully the numbers go down. But, um, you know, obviously wish you and your guys the best of luck as we roll into the tail end of the year after the All-Star break. But uh, I gave you a bit of an intro, but maybe you can briefly share a bit of, of your background, your story and how we got to where we are today. Uh, sure. I, I wish it was more interesting. It was just, uh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, fell in love with the game, started playing when I was seven or eight, uh, went over to a buddy's house for a sleepover. Uh, he had been playing hockey for a few years. So we just kind of played all night in his basement and I went home and told my parents I want to play hockey. My <laughs> no, mom said no. My dad said yes. So when my mom was away, my dad signed me up and I started playing <laughs> hockey. Um, and, uh, 
you know, it was one of those things, like, obviously, I think New Jersey's developed uh, and produced a lot more players, you know, in the last 20 years than the 20 years prior to that. Sure. Um, when I was growing up, there was obviously Jim Dowd was sort of the, you know, by far the biggest name, um, you know, in terms of success of mm. both playing in the state and then having a tremendous pro career. Uh, so I just kind of, you know, grew up playing house league and a little bit of, uh, you know, what would be, I guess now it would be triple A back then it was just an A team. I think it was just sort of travel hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just kind of was able to sort of keep playing. And then I had the chance to go to, uh, Lawrenceville there, uh, after my freshman year in, uh, in public high school. Uh, so it was just kind of one of those things. I just kind of was able to keep getting myself sort of in a better opportunity to sort of advance and keep playing. Yeah. Um, there wasn't any sort of kind of big plan to it. it was it was more just okay i'm playing this year yeah. at this spot and try to do as well as i can and hopefully that next spot opens up yeah yeah well we'll, we'll dive into you know every chapter obviously a, <laughs> a very successful career looking back on everything very long career um you know given how many pro games you played even after college and everything like that but maybe we can just uh, you know, start off, rewind a bit right to the beginning. You know, you mentioned Lawrenceville School. You also mentioned that you did a, a PG or a Westminster in the, in the Founders League. Uh, we talked about, you know, I did the same route, obviously really grateful for it. Um, but for you, what was what, what, what exactly was the hardest part about transitioning to prep hockey initially? And uh, where, where exactly did you struggle the most at first? I, I think that the thing I love about boarding school and kind of that route is I think it's, it's, it's not just the hockey part of it. I think there's a, there's a level of independence and kind of growing up that, that being in that setting forces you to do. Yeah. Um, and it's whether, whether it's managing your time, whether it's being ready for practice, whether it's, I just, I think it forces you to a lot, to do a lot of things both in the classroom and out of the classroom that just prepares you for a lot of what you're going to see, you know, in college and then after college. Right. Um, right. So for me, like that's, that's the special thing about those places. And obviously like the facilities are tremendous in most places and the, mm -hmm. you know, just the, the, the experience of the whole thing, I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. The hockey specifically, um, to me, it was just a step up from where I was playing. So I was playing public high school hockey and, um, which was a fine level. Um, but it was just like another step up. So players are a little faster, a little stronger, mm -hmm. just that sort of thing. And I think, you know, and, and I think that's true of every single jump, like whether it's high school to college, whether it's college to pro, whether it's mm -hmm. from the East Coast League to the American League, American League to the NHL, like they're all just variations um, kind of of the same thing in my mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. So do you think like developing that skill of just being able to transition in itself is, you know, something that maybe is a little undervalued for, for younger goaltenders? I think, um, I mean, I think when you look at, at guys – when they jump up a level or they're, you know, they're going, they're making one of those transitions. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important for goalies to understand what makes them successful and how that's going to translate. So I think one of the interesting things, I think when you see American league goalies go up to the NHL, um, you know, I, I think executing at that little bit faster pace, being able to stay mm -hmm. tight on a play, even though that play is a little bit faster, I think that's something that, um, like to me, that's a big part of, of being able to, to kind of prepare yourself or to succeed at that next level, whatever that next level is. Like yeah. you're not going to become a totally different goalie at the next level. You have to fit, you have to know your own game well enough. Mm -hmm. uh, what makes me good? Is it my skating? Is it my tracking? Is it, you know, what about my game? Mm -hmm. um, is my sort of foundation and how, how do I implement that? at a higher speed when there are right. better shooters, when there's more complicated plays. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's a big key to it. So, I mean, you kind of touch on this and, and we've talked about it a lot in the show is this, this um, idea of sort of like finding your identity, you know, uh, what are you good at versus what are you not? What are your strengths versus your weaknesses? Where should you double down? You know, for, for younger goalies, like listening out there, maybe you can dive into that in some deeper detail of, you know, essentially at the minor hockey levels, that's, that's really what you're trying to do, right? Like nobody's coming out and watching you and you're making the NHL the next day. You're, you're sort of out there trying to find yourself, your identity, what makes you, you. And then when you get to the pro level, that's really what you get paid for. So for young goalies out there, maybe trying to find that, you know, what, what's some advice you had to them for, for going down that road? Um, I mean, I think a big thing is, is just focusing on the present. I think and it's, I'm, watching my nephew go through it. So I have a 17 year old nephew who plays in yeah. Philly. Um, and he's, he plays at 
in a prep school and he's trying to figure out juniors and he wants to play college hockey. And mm. I just think there are so many avenues and there's so many things to, to distract a, a, a goalie or I mean, any athlete, but a goalie from just saying like, okay, I need to show up and I need to work on this today. And right. I think it's, it's great to have kind of those long-term goals, but like you really have to focus so hard on the present. And yeah. if, if it's a team practice, then you need to focus hard on that team practice and what can make me better. If it's a mm-hmm. goalie session, you know, with your goalie coach, you have to focus on what is going to make me better today. And I think that's, I, I think it's more of kind of, and it, it's very difficult to kind of keep that focus. Mm-hmm. But I think that's like the baseline of where kind of it has to be. Yeah. Um, if you are like, it's, it's, you know, a lot of cliches are thrown out there, but development ju- doesn't just happen, right? Like it's, right. it's a continuous, uh, day after day grind to it. Right. Um, you know, there's no, there's no kind of pure magic, uh, that just kind of goes off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it compounds over, uh, I mean, you look at the average age of, of goalies going into the NHL. And I think a lot of kids look at the Carter hearts in the world and say, you know, why, why, you know, why not me? And I think that, you know, maybe it's good to push yourself in that direction, but at the same time, uh, obviously you had a very long career and you understand that, that grind behind that compounding, maybe you can kind of just put that into perspective for, for some of the younger goaltenders listening out there, like what it really takes to, to make it to that next level versus, uh, just wanting the jacket, getting there, wearing it and, and not really following through with the opportunity. I, I really, really believe you have to be in love with the preparation. And I think the, yeah. you know, you have to, you have to be willing to, you know, obviously everybody works hard, right? In pro hockey, like, you know, you've gotten here, you've gotten to pro hockey because you're talented and at some point you're working hard. But then when you, even when you take that kind of top small percentage, you still have differences in guys that work harder than other guys. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, you have to just kind of, you have to be in love with all the stuff that goes into it. And, and there, there are so many parts of pro hockey that aren't fun. You know, like everyone kind of focuses yep. on the game and you see a great performance. You're like, Oh, like, yeah. you know, but you don't see, everything that led up to that moment. Um, so I think you, you know, you have to be willing to just kind of grind through like a terrible practice or yeah. a practice where it's just, uh, you know, three on O's and it's like a practice that's not well designed for the goalie. Like that's just part of it. Yeah, um, for sure. And you have to be willing to, to not only go through that, but you have to be willing to be a good teammate. You have to be willing to kind of get something out of those situations that might not be designed for you. And it's one of those that like, there's so much goalie, specialized training that goes on now that I think, I think we do ourselves a disservice on the one hand in in a way, because it's like we, now we have goalies that sort of expect everything not to be tailored to them, but it's, but we have to understand we're part of a team and that's, that's the most important thing. Mm. And then, then you have to figure out, okay, well, well, how can I both be the best teammate and be the best for this group while being the, while getting the most out of myself? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really big key to, to both personal success and, and team success. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, which is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, resilience, you know, uh, alluded to it and, and at the same thing you kind of mentioned uh, being adaptable, um, you know, do you think having sort of that mindset just in general helps you build that for the, for the challenges that goalies are, you know, indefinitely going to face down the road or at some point in their careers? I, for sure. And I think part of, part of the identity and the, the way, I think the way Scotty Murray, who is Washington's goalie coach, uh, yeah. the way he and I kind of approach a lot of these things uh, with our guys, it, it's a conversation, you know, like there are parts, you know, if, if there's something in Zach Fucali's game that I want to try to adjust or tweak, or there's a certain situation that he plays one way and I want him to play it a different way. Cause I, yeah. I, I have to, I have to be open enough with him and he has to be receptive enough you know, maybe it's, maybe he's not comfortable with it. And I have to sort of make that pitch. Like, look, this is why I think it's going to help you. This right. is what it'll lead to. Um, at the end of the day, it's their career. It's, they're the ones in there that have to feel kind of that decision. Right. And they have mm-hmm. to feel comfortable with it. Um, but it's a back and forth. And there, there are some times where I might think it's better to play a certain situation this way, but the goalie just can't get comfortable. So I have to be willing as a coach to just sort of like let that go and move on to something else and maybe attack it further on down the line. But I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a back and forth. So on the goalie side, I think there's there's an element of knowing your own game and having your foundation, but you do have to realize you probably don't have all the answers either, right? So I think it's mm-hmm. a it's a 
it's important to have that back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's how you get better. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1995, you, you made your college debut at Yale University. Uh, maybe you can just detail to everyone, you know, what sort of surprised you the most or where you struggled the most when you initially got there. Um, well, I'm not the biggest guy, so I think <laughs> neither I, am I. So it's all through, good. <laughs> um, through high school, uh, I, I was a, I was a good skater. Like that was, that was my, probably the, the best tool I had in my bag. I was a small goalie who played small. Um, mm. and when I got to college, I couldn't play small anymore. I had to figure out a way to sort of present myself at least a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and use what little size I have, I had to use it more. Um, so I think, again, you have that little tick up in speed, power, strength. Like I didn't even touch a weight until the summer before my freshman year. Like I, mm. I knew nothing about lifting. I knew nothing about training. Like yeah. when I was growing up, it was just, I got in shape by playing sports. Like that's just what I did. Um, so I think it was a pretty eye opening, sort of the, all the stuff that goes into being a college athlete. Um, mm. So that, that was a really tough adjustment. And then, you know, from the school side of things, like, you know, there, there was plenty of help at school if you needed it, but I, I, I wasn't a great student, like school was hard for me. Um, so you can imagine at a, at a place like, yeah, like it was, it was, that part was yeah, tough. So balancing tough. that <laughs> in hockey and it was, yeah. it was tough. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and I guess for kids out there looking to transition to to college hockey one day, like, what do you think is an important skill they should start developing today, you know, to be ready for the challenges of college hockey when they get there? So, so like just talking about, um, it, I, I think the understanding the challenges of of how hard it is to get playing time is a big one, and I think mm. you see this, you know, in, in kids, and I, I feel. I feel really bad because like it's, there's so many avenues right nowadays. Um, Whereas, you know, USHL was around in the late nineties and it was a very good league, but it was from, for people, you know, around new England or or New Jersey or whatever. It was like, okay, I'm either going to go to prep school. I'm going to the USHL. Mm. Now you have so many different junior leagues and you have so many different avenues, which is great. But one, I think negative part of that is you have so many kids just jumping from rock to rock. Right. Um, and I think when, you know, when you get to college, like you have to realize like there are good players everywhere and yeah. it, you know, earning your ice, earning your playing time is only going to get harder. So I think get wrapping your head around that fact that like, you know, you might not be playing this weekend because the other guy's playing better and your job is to support them. But then next week in practice, your job is to try to be better than them. And like, just, yeah. just being open to that challenge and knowing that it's not always going to go your way and knowing that you know, I might not play a game for a month, but when I do get that chance, I have to be ready. Like that's yeah. your job. Um, so I, I think just having that mindset of, of, you know what, I have to earn my ice. I have to earn my ice is a, is a big part of it. And yeah. in the college environment, like it's, so, it's, that's one of the things I love about college is like, it, you probably see it a little, it's not quite the same anymore. Cause I think, you know, tra- kids are transferring more and um, kind of those rules are changing, but right. You know, I, I like the idea of, hey, this is our team in September and it's going to be these 25 guys and we're going to see what we can do by March. Mm. And you have a lot of kind of ebbs and flows through a season, but like this is our group. We're all in this together and you try to build what you can build. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think having that mentality of like kind of the togetherness is a, is a really uh, important piece of, of that. Yeah. And I, th- and I think, you know, obviously you can speak to it that uh, just having that skill of you know, being able to earn your ice goes well on into pro hockey. It's not just in college, you know, and I think maybe a lot of people get that wrong that, yeah, it's pro hockey. We play more games, et cetera. Um, you know, but it's, it's sort of the same story of, of earning your ice. And I think a lot of kids in their local markets, they think, well, because I've been successful in my local market, I'm going to be successful at the next level. Right. A hundred percent. And I think it's one of the things we really try to stress with our guys and like, look, so we have Phoenix Copley and Zach Fucali mainly here. And there are going to be points in the season when Cops is playing a little better and he's going to earn a few more starts. And there are going to be parts of the season where Fuchs is going to be playing better and he's going to earn a few yeah. more starts. But they have to just understand that. And those those times when the other guy's earning a few more starts because he's playing really well, you know, you still have to make that productive. You can't just wait around for the ball to sort of come back to you. Um, and then the other part, just with the, the pro schedule, like, yeah, there are more games, 
but there are a lot of tough starts, you know, when you're starting the, you yeah, know, the back end of a three and three yeah. and, you know, you're not going to get, you know, the team game in front of you might not be as sharp as it was on Friday night because sure. the guys are playing their third game and, you know, in three days or two and a half days. So it, it's, it's our job to be ready for that. And, you know, there's no excuses. You either yeah. Yeah. excel and do your job or you don't. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's the, that's the kind of mindset, but it's, yeah. You know, you're talking about earning ice in college or earning ice in juniors. It only gets harder, right? Like that pyramid Absolutely. gets smaller every time and every step. The goalies get better. The players get better. Uh, and it's harder to earn your ice. Yeah. But I think it's an important, I think, I think it's a, it's a huge piece of, uh, of, of buy-in. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and in, in your final two seasons uh, with Yale, you had a, a, some breakout years, posting career-high numbers, uh, as, as well as being named to the second All-American team, uh, ECAC goaltender of the year, ECAC first all-star team, uh, first all-star team in your third season, and the ECAC second all-star team in your final season. Uh, what do you think exactly contributed so much to your, your personal success in those final two seasons? And you know, where, where did you make the, bit, the biggest adjustments to be able to elevate your game to that level by the end of your tenure? Uh, I mean, I wish I could point to one thing specifically. I mean, it, it goes back. I mean, my freshman year, we were so bad. Like <laughs> we were just a bad college hockey team. Yeah. If we weren't the worst, we were pretty close to it. And, and again, going back to, to what I was saying about kind of the, the special part of college hockey, I think it was an entire group, like an mm-hmm. entire group that just kind of put in the work and got a little bit better my sophomore yeah. year. And then, then obviously we sort of turned the corner that junior year and, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't just one thing. Now we had a guy named Ray Giroux, who was an exceptional, um, you know, still one of the best plays I, players I ever played with on the back end. And we had a unreal forward named Jeff Hamilton. So when you have kind of those two guys sort of anchoring, one anchoring the offense, one anchoring the defense, like it's mm-hmm. just, it really stabilized a lot of things for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, uh, you know, I, I think as, as the overall group, I think it was just a, a slow build and it was, it was really fun to be a part of the kind of a turnaround like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously every year you have four or five or six guys that graduate and then you have five or six that yeah, come in and, definitely. you know, you kind of make those adjustments, but, um, you know, it was, it was fun to be part of kind of a long process, uh, of, of helping turn that program around. Yeah. Yeah, or at least put it well, in the right direction. That's that's probably a better way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I think you did. Obviously, uh, Yale's uh, it, they won the national championship. What was it five six years ago, something like that? And I'm sure that you know, way back when, when you, when you kind of were with the program, it kind of started them on a journey. Same thing. Uh, uh, you know, we had some coaches on, uh, some players back from when it was the first year, and really kind of paved the road for what became a, a very very strong ECAC and and. Uh, very competitive conference in, in all of college hockey, right? Yeah. Who, I mean, who would have thought Yale and Quinnipiac would be playing for the national championship? That was, <laughs> that was, uh, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. So after graduating, you go pro and, and you have an excellent season in the, in the ECHL in your pro debut. Um, but what was probably the hardest part about transitioning to pro hockey from college initially and where'd you struggle the most? Um, I, I think the going from, you know, having your day mostly structured, whether it's class, whether it's knowing you have to study for a test or write a paper and then you have practice. Yeah. And so I think, you know, college, obviously you have most of the day sort of laid out for you and then you get to pro and you're at the rink for three hours and then you're jumping in your car at 1230 and it's like, okay, so I have the whole day now. Like <laughs> so I think figuring out like that free time, it sort of hits you over yeah. the head. And like, uh, don't get me wrong. Like it, it's awesome. It's great. Like, of course, you know, I love what I do now. I, I absolutely love what I do now, but being a player is better. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It just is like, it's, yeah, you know, for sure. don't have to watch nearly as much video. You don't have like <laughs> being a player play. is the absolute best. And so <laughs> I think figuring out productive ways, uh, you know, to kind of fill that time. Uh, like I got into kind of cooking that sort of became my hobby and it, mm. it gave me sort of something to focus on, you know, on any given day, like figure out something to make for dinner, go to the grocery store, mm. buy the set, you know, like it just kind of gave me something. Cause it's very easy to just, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to get home. I'm going to take a nap. And next thing you right. know, it's you're six o'clock and you're groggy and you're trying to figure out like, so I think learning how to structure, um, kind of your day was a, was a, is a challenge. Um, yeah. and then the other part, and this is, I see this a lot. Like I, 
I think a lot of people take shots at the East Coast League in terms of kind of what it is a, as a league. Um, there are a lot of really, really good players that play Absolutely. in the East Coast League. And I think it's one of those things like when you're in college and you're just looking at pro hockey and you don't really know pro hockey, it's very easy to disrespect the East Coast Hockey League. Right. Um, you know, not realizing going that. To the NHL, right? so. I'm sorry? I said everybody thinks they're going to the NHL coming right out of college, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think every, you know, <laughs> it, I think a lot of it is, you know, look, it's it's the business of it, right? Like it's agents, of course. It's coaches, of course. it's it's everything. But like, I think you just it's if you walk in, I think that league can humble you very, very quickly. Definitely. Um, and I and I think it's it's been a really good development tool for us, um, you know, especially for goalies that go down because it's you're getting pro minutes. You know the the scrutiny isn't quite what it is in the AHL, and obviously it's it's nowhere near with the kind of scrutiny and kind of lights that are on you at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think it's a tremendous place to develop for goalies. Um, yeah. You know, as an organization, I think we've had a lot of success uh, with goalies coming through and going to our affiliate in South Carolina yeah. uh, and getting games Absolutely. down there. You know, like learning how to be a pro, learning uh, kind of what it takes, and just getting you know getting reps at the pro level. Um, so I, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is just respecting the East coast league. So I think not that I wouldn't say I, I, I didn't have an opinion kind of one way or the other. Like, obviously I wanted to be in the American league or back then yeah. it was kind of split. Yeah. The old right. IHL and the yeah. AHL, like obviously I wanted to be at that level, but I wasn't, I was in the East coast league. And so you're just like, Oh, okay, well, here I go. And just again, I had a partner named Jason Sal who was a, a veteran and mm-hmm. it was just about kind of earning starts. Um, and that, that was my kind of approach to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've had uh, lots of, uh, you know, pro goaltenders on the show and, and I think everybody kind of says that same thing, you know, your expectation of, uh, when you first get into pro hockey is like, yeah, I'm going to get slated right into the top. And then, you know, next thing you know, you kind of have to pay your dues and, and, you know, the guys that end up finding success are the ones that really just you know, buy into it, right? They buy Mm -hmm. into where they are. They buy into sort of the process of, you know, finding ways to win games at that level and then working their way up. And, and usually, uh, once they're, you know, several games or several dozen games into their career or sees a couple seasons, they look back and say, you know what, that was, that was the right call for me. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things like, you know, bus breaks down and you're on a seven hour bus trip, you know, like you have to, it, it forces you to be adaptable. It forces right. you, you're, you're going to be put in a lot of really uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think there's so much value in a lot of those experiences, as long as you go in with kind of that right mindset, like I'm going to get something out of this. I have to figure out a way to perform regardless of, of mm-hmm. what's going on around me. Yeah, and then and then the following season, you know, you had your AHL debut in Worcester, and uh, played eight games in the league over the following two years. Um, but what's probably the most uh, surprising part about playing in the AHL compared to being in the ECHL? Um, I I think it's just it's that one step closer. So for me, for me, the AHL and the old IHL, like those were my NHL. If that makes sense, like I was mm-hmm. so excited to be there. I was so excited to practice. I was, you know, even if I was backing up, like I was so. Yeah, it's just it's, you know, I wouldn't say I ever expected to be in the NHL. So I didn't come in with that sort of expectation on it. But like, I I was just excited to be there. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that's interesting at the American League level is, is you have the guys that are on the bubble for the NHL level, you know, their mindset can really sort of drive a team. So like, if you have guys that are just pissed off that they're not in the NHL, like that's going to be a really negative impact on your American league team. Right, so I think right. seeing kind of that, seeing that sort of effect, I thought was really, really interesting. My first couple stints up in the American league. Mm. Um, do, you, do you see kind of both sides of the fence, like negative and positive from that? Yep, for sure. For sure. Some guys would have a great attitude and, um, you know, have fun at the rink. And even though they weren't where they wanted to be and, um, you know, some guys didn't. And that's just, that's the reality. And I think now that I'm on the coaching side, like that's, that's one of the things, you know, we're mindful of, like, you got to get that guy in a good headspace that, right. you know, he's got to understand that, um, you know, he's got a job to do and he's not helping himself or the group, uh, yeah. you know, if he doesn't have a good attitude or yeah. isn't buying yeah. it. Absolutely. Um, it becomes a bit of a cancer within the team, right? Yeah. Like I think the, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, a, you know, bad attitudes can spread quick. 
Uh, yeah. I think kind of the, the overall atmosphere is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you went on to play, you know, hundreds of games overseas, uh, after playing tons of games here in North America, uh, additionally representing team USA on an occasion in the world championships. Uh, and in 2007, eight, you know, followed, a. a uh, a season coming back over to North America, you head to Austria and going on a stint to, to, to play over 325 games in the league over five years, winning several personal accolades as well as a, an Ebel championship. Uh, like, what do you think contributes so much to your, your personal success in those seasons where you won some personal accolades and uh, stood out as the best in the league among the other goaltenders? Uh, I mean, I think at that point, at that point, I, I was probably the most comfortable sort of in my own skin, just as far as like what I was as a player, um, you know, where I was going to be like those being in Linz for those five years, like I, I was just, it's where I wanted to be. I think a lot of times, yeah. you know, when I talk about sort of like focusing on the present, you know, I, I spent so much, so much of my career, like, okay, you, you, you're working hard for your group, but like you're worrying about, okay, where am I going to be next year? Where, right. what's this going right. to look like? What's that? And, the, and it's, it's just a giant distraction. And it's a, it's an important question to ask yourself. Cause I think you do have to sort of have a, a rough roadmap, but I think it's mm-hmm. ultimately like pretty harmful in terms of, of kind of your focus. So I think by the time I'd gotten to Linz, I was just, um, you know, I, I was happy to be there. I really liked our group. We had a, just a, a very good group of Austrian players and a very good group of imports. Um, it was a good team environment. Uh, and I was just happy. Like I really thought I was going to, kind of play a few more years there in Linz and then retire like that. That yeah, was kind of, yeah. uh, was going on in, or the, that rough plan in my head sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I, I just felt comfortable where I was as a player and as a person and, yeah. um, yeah. 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 And then, and then in 2012, I mentioned you won a, you know, you, you won a league championship in the league, uh, amazing feat to accomplish, but for, for some kids at home looking to be a championship gold, uh, goaltender one day, you know, or, or additionally just break through like playoff hockey and be successful when it comes to playoff time. You know, what do you think are some important characteristics that separate championship goaltenders from everyone else typically that, you know, really make them championship goaltenders the, that teams want to sign at the next level? I think, uh, I think one of the biggest things is just, in, it's probably cliche, but just kind of mental toughness. Like I think the mm-hmm. season, like we're talking about the grind of a season, right? And like practices and figuring out a way to, to perform every night when you have to, but in playoffs, I feel like everything is just sort of intensified and shortened. So during the regular season, if you're going through a rough stretch or you have a bad game, I think it has a certain kind of rhythm to it in terms of, of how you process it, when you go over video, how long it sits with you. Um, And I think in playoffs, you have to be able to just lightning quick, good or bad, just move on to the next game. And I think it's, it's having that, uh, ability I think is a huge part of of being able to perform in the playoffs because you know if you win an overtime game in the playoffs it's the absolute best feeling in the world and if you lose yeah. it it's the absolute worst but you got to figure out a way you know if it's game two you can't let that bleed over to game three yeah and so I think just just sort of ha- being able to kind of mentally move past it and mentally be as sharp as you can for that next challenge is mm-hmm. is a is a big um part of playoff success yeah yeah for sure and and i guess looking back and everything after you know had such a long and and exceptional career uh retiring 2015 if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before going pro or even further back or or, or during your long tenure playing you know what would it be exactly Ah, i really like that question um (laughs) i I think probably i i just wish i had relaxed and enjoyed it a little more like I, i wish i enjoyed um, you know, and don't, don't get me wrong. I had tons of fun and met a lot of great people and all that. Like I wouldn't change anything, but I wish sure. I could have sort of like just exhaled and just been, you know, I was, I was always worried about, you know, at the end of the season, my wife would always joke, like, like, I'm not a good vacationer. Like I like going away for like a long weekend, but like, I can't take a week. Like I just, I can't so, like after the season, you know, we'd always talk about going on like a vacation after the season. Cause we're already over in Europe anyway. Yeah, be like, yeah. no, let's, let's get home. Like let's, let's like, and then so like, I don't know. I wish I had just sort of enjoyed it a little more yeah, um, yeah. or let myself sort of exhale a little more. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, I don't no, know. That'd definitely. probably be one thing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, obviously you want it and, and you take it seriously. I think that's why you had such a long career and, 
Um, obviously, even even guys that do have a, a successful run and, and a long career, it's not necessarily things you regret, but I think that maybe there's some type of misconception that everybody gets every decision right throughout their career along the way. And yeah. I don't think that's the case. Maybe you can kind of talk about No, that. and that's that's a really good point. So like when I, I mean, the one thing, the one thing I, when I look back, like I made plenty of, of poor decisions as far as, you know, like, so coming back, one of the years I came back, uh, it was during the lockout year and I, I made the decision because I thought it was going to be a, it would, it would be a better chance for me to get in the American league. And it turned yeah. out to be the exact opposite. Like at the time, I think it was the right decision, but it proved to be the totally wrong decision. And you yeah, just have to sure. be able to make peace with that. Right. Like you just have to say like, all right, live and learn, just keep going, mm-hmm. keep playing, keep working. Um, you know, I, I, I think it a little bit like what we were just talking about with playoffs. Like, I think you just have to kind of move on from decisions. You make a decision yeah. right or wrong, live with the consequences and get ready to make another decision. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess for kids looking to, to transition to pro hockey one day, like what do you think is a big misconception among minor hockey goalies and parents about pro hockey that there should be more clarity on? I mean, again, I think just being in love with the preparation, just understanding yeah. how much goes into, you know, we all see the games, we all see the highlights, we all see that sort of stuff, but just understanding how much goes yeah. into yeah. Uh, being a pro, you know, like there, yeah. there are lots of lonely nights in hotel rooms when you're called up, right? Like there are lots mm-hmm. of, like there's lots of just time where you're just, idle um but you have to be okay and make the most out of those uh in those situations yeah it's it's very uh i mean it's become a much larger conversation i think in recent memories the uh the mental health side of goaltending and i think um you know throughout the conversation we've just talked about that resilience that it requires but i think everybody just sees that Oh, you get paid to stop a couple pucks. Like it must be the the best thing in the world, but obviously it's taxing and it's incredibly competitive. And you know, you don't really know when when the door is going to turn, and and you know, maybe you're packing your bags and going somewhere else, right? Yeah, and, and that uncertainty, right? Like that that weighs yeah. on every. Like there are very few players out there that have you know, kind of real stability. Yeah. Uh, you know, ninety percent of 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 all of us are are pretty easily replaceable. So it's a it's a it's an odd, um, it's an odd and I think stressful kind of dynamic to live under, but, but it's, it's part of the process. Like it's part of the game. It's part, it's just, it's, it's not going to change anytime soon. But I think the going to the mental health side, like, I think, I think perspective is really, really important to have. And I think having a a support system is, is obviously really important. So, um, you know, I think a lot of times it's, again, going back to sort of the happiness question, it's easy to look at another guy getting called up and being like, Oh, why am I not getting that right. opportunity? Why, why is it not me? You know, like when you look around at others, it's very easy to get unhappy, you know, like, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying like, no, I'm here right now. I need to go put on my equipment tomorrow and play. Like I get like, yeah. that's a great thing. Like that's a really, really great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, sort of looking back, I guess, at your time, entire playing career, what, what's probably the biggest adversity you ever had to face in your time playing and how exactly did you overcome it? Um, I mean, send downs are always tough, right? Cause like you, you think you, you know, you, you think you belong or you, you think you, and I, I shouldn't say, or I should say for me, like I always, I felt I could never convince a team to make me a full-time American league goalie. So every time I got sent down, it was just frustrating. Cause I, I, I felt like I was right there. Yeah. Um, so I think just, again, just sort of like being able to have a short memory and kind of move on from it. Um, but then the other one that jumps out to me. So when I got, I mean, in Europe, we always say fired. <laughs> um, so when I got fired in Linz, so I'd been there five years, had had some good success, team had had some good success. Yeah. I certainly thought I, I had deserved more rope to kind of turn around a slow start. Right. Um, but it did a, a couple couple things that kind of happened because of it so like it was a big gut punch to my wife and I like we again we thought we were going to be there a couple more years and then I was going to retire and right figure out you know what's next after but there's um so having to leave that city was really really tough yeah I wound up going to I got loaned out to a team in Slovakia um and I was living in so the city was Poprad it's over on sort of the eastern part of of Slovakia um wedged in these mountains and uh i was living in a it was a kind of like a, a ski resort mm. 
but it was sort of like an extended stay hotel type thing. It sounds, right. it sounds super nice. It, it was nice. Don't get me wrong, but it was like, I was in like a tiny little room and from Monday to Friday, I was the, so it's, I want to say it was like seven or eight buildings. And from Monday to Friday, I was the only person there. It was myself and the wow. person who like worked at the front desk. And then on the weekends, families would come from all over Slovakia and have their kind of holiday weekend. Right. Um, and so my wife and I and our dog are in this tiny little room. We have a little kitchenette. Um, but one of the things that was kind of cool or one of the positives that sort of came out of it was, <laughs> you know, we, we get in these rhythms and routines and I wouldn't say I'm not a superstitious, superstitious person by any means, yeah. but like you get into a certain rhythm and you just, you start to, to, to not become a slave to these patterns, but like you, you are just so used to doing the same thing. So with, with everything sort of being turned upside down, I sort of exploded all those and was just like, all right, well, let me just strip this away and like try to establish some new rhythms or try to right. establish, you know, some different things and just see how it works out. Um, and it, it was really freeing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was really like, of course. you know what? I don't have to have chicken and pasta every pregame meal. I don't have to, you know, <laughs> like, no, but like little things like that, but I don't know if I would yeah. have done that if I had stayed in Linz. And I don't know if I would have even done, changed up kind of my food habits if we weren't in this little kitchenette that had like a burner. Do you know what right. I mean? So, like, so little <laughs> things like that, like, and it was just like, it was, I don't know, freeing is the only, the best word for it, but it just kind of, it opens you up and all of a sudden it's just like you're playing again. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I think that was something where, you know, it was a really tough situation just for our family. And then you're trying to figure out positives in it. And I think that's what, mm-hmm. that's one of the things I think for, you know, for younger goalies out there and I think all the way to pro, but like, you're going to be dealt a lot of setbacks. Yeah, and if, for sure. if you're not learning from them, if you're not figuring out some positive to take out of those situations, you're doing yourself a big disservice, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And it's it's not always easy, right? Like it's not always, of course. you know, and the funny thing is, so like, so this sent me on sort of a, my last couple years. So like getting fired in Linz, spend a month or two months, two months in uh, Slovakia there, finish that year in the second league in Germany. And then the following year, didn't have a contract so i'm just sort of like skating working out at home yeah christmas time rolls around and zagreb in the khl needs a third goalie so i wound up going over over there um and then fast forward a few years after that then the goalie coach position sort of opens up so like mm-hmm. i don't even know if i end up in zagreb if i don't get fired and like the dominoes that happen right, right. and so it like it's it's just it's crazy sometimes i think the way these things work out and i think when we get so focused on the one and how hard it is and you know we feel yeah. sorry for ourselves oh woe was me this sucks i'm getting screwed whatever the case may be um as opposed to recognizing like this could open up a door i don't even know about yet mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. going into it with that sort of mindset yeah yeah absolutely now i i want to dive into you know your coaching career at the next level uh coaching the highest levels over in europe and, and now north america with washington after a long and successful career, but maybe you can just briefly dive into your specific three or four pillars uh, you surround your goaltending and playing philosophy around and why you think they're so important. Um, sure. Uh, so one for me is skating. I think the, the ability to beat plays on your feet, the longer you can hold your edges. Uh, I just think it gives you more. Um, it just gives you more options and, and I think helps slow the game down because, you know, players are only getting faster. There's only, there's more and more deception. Yeah. And I think the the longer we can kind of hold the cards uh, while staying on our feet, I think the, that's a kind of big pillar. Uh, the other thing I really like, I am absolutely in love with stand-up saves. <laughs> so we have a standing bet. Um, now that's probably not the right <laughs> word, but we have a standing agreement with our goalies. If they make, if they make five no stand-up saves either, in a right? game, it might be on a dump in whatever. If they make five stand-up saves in a game, I'll buy them lunch. Um, I actually just bought Fuchs and Cops lunch, I want to say two weeks ago from a game earlier this year. So it's always <laughs> why, fun. To- why, why do you like them so much? I think it just, I think it, it shows me that you're, you're patient enough to read the release and right. you're strong enough on your edges to just let it hit you. I think it's right. so easy. So when you mean stand up, like it's not like straight up, it's like just staying on your feet and just making it holding your edges. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and if you think of the upper half of the net, if I'm already standing there, do you know what I mean? It, it just shows that they're reading yeah. well and it shows, um, I think it's a good indication of, of kind of when they're on their game. Um, 
now, if, I mean, obviously they're not just staying up to get lunch, but it's, <laughs> um, you know, if they get beat with an ice cream or <laughs> they're staying on their feet, that's not a great look, but there's a, yeah, I just, I think it's a little indicator for me that I always go back to. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say the second and obviously tracking, you know, every single goalie on the planet probably says tracking. Um, for me, it's just about kind of the efficiency, like making sure the longer our head can stay in a good position kind of over the puck the more efficient our bodies are going to be. And with how fast the game happens, if if we're losing that kind of head position, I feel like everything else goes sideways really quickly. Right. Um, so I would say that's kind of the second one. Uh, the third one, it comes back to compete. Uh, mm, and this is something right. Mitch Korn used to always say, and he was obviously he's one of the godfathers of goaltending, but he – any of the like really elite goalies he's been around at their core, just hate getting scored on. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, anyone can show up and get through a practice, but when guys are really kind of digging in and kind of have that extra, just, I don't know, almost like anger, if that makes sense. Like uh, when a puck goes in, not that they need to slam their stick. I don't mean anger in that way, but I just mean like, yeah, yeah. Goalies that are able to kind of maintain that like intensity through practice um, I think it's a, I think it's a huge help in development and I think it's a huge, you know, and it, it goes beyond them too. I think it totally changes the atmosphere of a practice. Like, I think it helps the team. I think it's a, it's a great way to be a good teammate, uh, which I obviously have I've mentioned a few times here, but it's, it's a huge piece of it for me. Like, I think, yeah. I think we have to be a good teammate first. So I think that would be kind of the mm -hmm. third, um, the third one there. Yeah. And maybe you can kind of just go into a little detail of some of the skating work that you do with your guys to, to develop, uh, one, the patient feed and, and two, just being ahead of the play. Um, one thing for me that I come back to a lot is I, it's, is making sure we're stopping hard. Like there's a lot of times where you see a goalie can beat a play on their feet, but they're, Drift. they won't fully kill their momentum. So right. it's, I call it like an 80% stop. So like they're there in plenty of time, but they don't dig in hard enough with that lead edge. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, most guys at this level are fast enough, right? Like I would lump, you know, if you took kind of all the goalies in the American league, I would say, you know, you have your kind of top five or 10% and your bottom five or 10%, but like everyone is just about lumped in the middle in terms of, you know, they're all powerful enough. They all can get yeah. across. Like the habit for me is, you know, if I'm pushing, I need to be able to control Like the push is one part, but if you can't control it on the other end, you're putting yourself in just about a spot. Yeah. So I think kind of hammering the fact, like when you hit that stop edge, you want to be set. Like you have to figure out a way to get yourself, your body under control to where now you can react. Yeah. So I think that's kind of one detail for skating that we really try to try to hammer home. And yeah. I, it's just about reps. Like when you're working on skating, it's not, it's not a fun thing to work on. Right. Yeah, but, definitely. um, you know, we don't do a ton of, we don't do a ton of crease work. Like I I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of like teaching through the drill. So I want to set up a situation that's going to force them to move laterally and then they're going to have to get under control or something right. like that. Like I think that's, I find, I, I've found, um, or I like teaching through the drill versus just, okay, we get in our crease and we do a crease pattern. Right, you know, there's right. certain times where I think you'd kind of do it to get the legs going and just to sort of hit it. Yeah. Um, but we don't do a ton of that. I actually, I was listening to, oh God, this was probably two years ago. It was, and I, I apologize because I'm not going to remember the names, but it was a, it was one of the uh, women's national team goalies. And I forget who the goalie coach was, but um, she was talking about they would do eyes closed crease movements. Now that I find really interesting. We'll fool around with that. Wow. I mean, we've probably done it maybe two or three times this year just yeah. for like a couple minutes, but it's just, so we would have them get in the crease. They do, you know, whatever pattern they do. And then they'd repeat the pattern with their eyes closed. And it's really interesting seeing sort of like their markers, right? Like, mm. um, you know, and it's obviously like if they're pushing off their post, getting to the top of the crease, you know, that's a movement they've done millions of times probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. But all of a sudden their eyes are closed and now all of a sudden the spatial awareness fight might feel a little different. So like maybe they're six inches off on that first push and it's mm. sort of like, whoa, okay, what just happened? Right. Um, so I don't know, fooling around with that stuff I think is is kind of fun too. <laughs> yeah. Has, has that proven to be beneficial? That's a good question. I don't know. I think it's beneficial in the way it sort of like shocks the system a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, has it made Phoenix Copley a better goalie? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. something. Okay. But it's. But I think a lot of it is too, like, you know, just kind of the engagement, right? Like you're just trying yeah. to wake up your brain a little bit. You're trying something new. You're trying to shock yeah, your body sure. a little. So I think I think there's value in that for sure. Yeah. Um, has it saved a goal this year? I don't think he's going eyes closed off his post on a low to high. <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, say probably not. All eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Pete you know, and like when we're on, when we, when you're with the guys as much as we are, you know, I think you, I think there's, there's value in sort of, you know, trying different things. Like, absolutely. And our guys have been really good about like, I'll be like, hey, we're going to try this today. This might be awful, but here's what we're doing. And our guys have been awesome about, you mm-hmm. know, not only the feedback, like, yeah, that, that didn't work very well, or no, 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 this, I like this one a lot. Like, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. Like, I think you have to be, pretty creative with it. And I think that's something that that's something that really impressed on me for Mitch Korn way back. So my second year pro I was on a IHL East Coast League deal with Nashville. So Milwaukee and Dayton were the two spots. But like that's when I first met Mitch and Mitch obviously has, you know, the screen board out during development camp and has like right. and all of a sudden you're you're working on these things in a in a totally different way. Right. And I feel like it just sort of like creativity of it, it gets you thinking about you know, kind of, I don't know, diff- different parts of the game or different ways to attack yeah. something. And I think there's, there's a ton of value in that. Yeah. And, and you know what? I like that you kind of said that. Um, cause I think an innovative part of the game is how you one sort of gain an edge in the game, right? It's like, uh, you know, a long time ago, not everybody was doing RVH. Now all of a sudden everybody is. And now look at all the forwards that are tucking it under the glove or tucking it over the shoulder because, uh, you know, it's, it's become more of a norm and, and it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you stop more pucks? How do you trick the shooter? You know, you have to go out there and, and be a little creative and, and sometimes, you know, it might seem uh, silly, some things you're doing, but you never know when you're on the cusp of, of developing something new that can give you an edge, right? Yeah. You might stumble on something you weren't even expecting or there might be an unexpected outcome. You're like, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. Let's, let's dig yes. deeper into this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, and then, you know, just that compete level, you know, maybe you can kind of detail that to, to everyone listening. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in that. Um, you know, you said you're not, you're not a big guy. I, I never was either in my career. We found ways to, you know, to play bigger than we were. And I think at the end of the day, it really does come down to that, that, that compete level is like, you know, how much do you, do you want to keep that, that puck out of that? Do you want to just stop pucks or do you want to save pucks? Um, you know, somebody said that to me one day and I was like, wow, that's, that's really good. I like that. Yeah, well, like how do too. you kind of work on that with your guys? Like, is there any few drills that you do? Is it sort of like a mindset training that you kind of do? Or is it developed like in the drills, like the skating, you would say? Um, some of it, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I think all our guys that have come through here um, in the last five years, you know, to varying degrees, but I think they all work extremely hard. And I think yeah. they all kind of have that in them. And it was developed long before they got here. Mm. Um, you know, Phoenix Copley is one of the hardest workers I've ever been around. Um, you know, he's at that, that end where you almost have to rein him back in a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, and again, I don't mean in like an angry break a stick kind of way. I just mean like, of course, if you put him in the net, he will go and go and go to the point where he can't even stand up. Like he just, he's, he's built and he's wired that way. And it's one of the best things about him. Um, so I think a lot of the stuff, you know, it, it works well with the guys that we have because they are who they are. Um, you know, obviously I, that could change every year. Like obviously as guys move on or guys move up or whatever. Um, but so far it hasn't been, you know, really having to like pry it out of someone. Um, there's one drill we do we usually tack it on sort of at the end. And I really, really like it. It's just a cover drill. So the, Mm. the rep for whatever we're doing, will play out however it plays out. And then I usually have like, let's say there are two guys finishing at the net. I want them to take sort of one or two strides back towards me. I'll just have a puck say at the hash marks. Um, They take one or two strides back towards me and then drive the net. And I just put like a soft, uh, just kind of push the puck along the ice at the goalie. Yeah. And the only rule is the players can't touch it until the goalie touches it. So he's got to figure out a way to sort of cover this. Now maybe he goes paddle down, hits his paddle, and then he has two sticks in there. And you're kind of getting like a quick jam play. Yeah. Um, but like, that's a really, like, that's one where when the forwards buy in right, and like, they're going as hard as they can and the goalies are going as hard. Like that's a really fun little sort of battle drill that, you know, the, the technical element to it, 
you know, if we're trying to cover a puck, like there's, there's a direct, you know, correlation that happens in a game all the time. A puck's bouncing sure. around and we need to get on it first. Um, and so that, that's a, that's a fun one. That's kind of controlled in a tight little space, but yeah. um, I don't, that for, for just compete, like to me, that's all that is like, that's, that's you saying that's my puck. And yeah. now maybe it'll be about bounce. Maybe it'll, you know, maybe you'll cover a stick and it'll poke free, whatever. But like, to me, that's a, that's an attitude save, not a, not as much a technical save. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess having seen so many goalies, you know, you know, come to the the top ranks of, of North American pro uh, also, you know, you obviously played with tons of great goalies. Uh, what do you, what do you think are some of the most uh, important and common characteristics that, that goalies who typically find success in the NHL and AHL, you know, right away possess? Um, I mean, I think one of the, the ability to sort of, again, kind of going back to that transition to college, I think the, the guys that can, all the things that make them successful at the American league level. So whether that's beating plays on your feet or staying tight or, yeah. um, you know, whatever it might be like, they're able to translate that to the NHL when things are happening kind of that much quicker. Um, yeah. and one of the big jumps, like the, in my opinion, one of the biggest things from the American league to the NHL, it's incredible how many guys like the, I don't know what the right word would be like the, the tip execution in and around the net is insane at the NHL level, in my mm. opinion. Like hardly ever does a puck not deflect, tip, whatever. Like they're dealing with so much traffic. And I think the ability to stay tight and kind of read those situations is mm -hmm. one of the biggest things about transitioning from the American League to the NHL. Like that specific kind of play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously a hard shot's a hard shot. For and sure. when you have the elite guys at the end, like at the American League level, like you still have that 5%, right? Like that top 5% that has a, great shot for this level mm -hmm. but then when you're talking about the nhl level you know like like an ovechka and like a patrick line like those guys can just shoot the way or austin matthews like the way it just jumps off their stick is yeah. is crazy so i think you know you're you're gonna be put in some tough situations where you know sometimes you just gotta tip your cap and be like that was a sick shot yeah you know yeah, like sure. and then you you peel it back and you're like okay well would I have changed anything? Was I too deep? Was I caught yeah. off guard? Was that, you know, and if you're putting yourself in kind of that, those positions consistently where you're like, Nope, that's exactly where I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to read. I was, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, that's when you, when you do that consistently, consistently, that's when you're going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, for goalies who typically have a hard time uh, transitioning to the AHL and NHL, like where do you typically see them struggle the most, uh, the most common areas? I mean, I think the sliding is a big part. I think when, when goalies, like I think going from college or junior to the American league, I think is really tough. And this is another reason why I think the East coast league is so valuable. Like, mm -hmm. I just think it's a big jump. Um, you know, the, the speed of the play I think is, is yeah. tough. So I think what happens and generally like I, in my opinion, when goalies start sliding, it's usually because they feel like they're behind the play, you know, like mm -hmm. obviously on in tight stuff, you're going to have to give up your edges and, and that's fine. But when we're just sliding kind of higher laterals, I think that's usually an indication like, Oh, okay. He's not feeling that comfortable or he's not right. feeling on top of this play. So I think there are a couple pieces to this. I think one is just, you know, giving them enough reps where they can say to themselves, you know what? No, I can beat this play. And this is something Hunter Shepard has done a great job. Um, when he was at Duluth, I think he slid on, you know, I feel like his default setting was sort of slide on these laterals. Mm -hmm. Um, and since turning pro, like he's done a really, really great job of, of trusting his edges more and, and recognizing that he's faster than he probably gave himself credit for. Right. Um, now in college, he was still making all those saves. Um, but you know, it's, it's, again, it goes back to the conversation. It's, it's showing him that there's a better way. Yeah. Um, or there's a and way that's a more, more beneficial. Obviously, right. I'm sorry it's a little more forgivable at the college level, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, look, the game we, is at least. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. Um, you know, I think every level gets obviously a little less forgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, and so when you're talking about adjustment to level, I think that's kind of one area that you see a lot of guys, uh, struggle with right off the bat. Yeah. It, uh, well, uh, finally our audience loves this portion, but w what are your two best hacks? either on ice <laughs> drills or off ice drills that you do with your goalies that, that typically help them find success much quicker on the ice. So I think, um, 
so there's one drill we do uh and it's uh so it's it's an on ice and this kind of leads into the stand-up saves thing it's it's what it's a drill i love kind of stumbled on it last summer um so it'd be placing the guys top of the circle ish one at the you know left top of the circle one in the middle one at the right top of the circle the shooter's instructions are you are either shooting it right along the ice or you're trying to go bar down. Mm. And I would rather have them miss a foot over the net than anything in between. And so I have the goalie set. If it's on the ice, drop hard, try to make a save. If it's anywhere else, I want them to hold their edges. Mm. Um, and you just kind of go three pucks, three pucks, three pucks. So the same guy shoots three in a row. So it's shot, gets at, shot, gets at. Um, and that's one I like just as a, as a reset to just sort of, you know, are you actually watching the release? Are you picking up that information versus up? Oh, here comes a shot. I'm just going to get to where I need to get to and drop. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a little reset one that, that I'm very much into right yeah, now. I like that. Um, I think the other one is, is, you know, when it kind of goes back to the teammate stuff, like I love when guys play rebound after practice, like I think <laughs> it's just, and I know not, a lot of goalies love it. And I know I just, I think it's a great thing for, again, when we talk about sort of that overall atmosphere, Yeah, like I think it's a great way to sort of get out of your own head a little bit, just kind of do something fun. Like so much of what we do is structured so much of what, yeah, you know, we do now is just, is, Hey, like we're going to work on this. Like there are certain times when you just have to 100%. go play. It's like you grab your buddies and you go play. And so for me, rebound is, is a great way to, and now, obviously we're, we're fortunate because we have the ice for however long we want the ice for. Right. Yeah. I, I know if you're a peewee goalie out there and it's like, well, they kick us off as soon as the Zamboni doors <laughs> open up. Like I don't have, you know, four minutes to play rebound, but yeah, I don't know. Trying to work in little games like that. Like at the end of the day, it's a game. And if you're not feeling not that it's all going to be fun, but you have to figure out a way to make it fun. And I feel like that's Absolutely. a good sort of little reminder you know, and then you get the chirping back and forth and now the players are yelling yep. at each other because some guy missed an open net. I don't know. I just, I love all that stuff. I just love that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of team building within the competition, yeah. right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex, do you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Uh, no, not really. I mean, thanks for having me on. It's, it's been, it's fun to geek out and talk goaltending. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And and we, we try to make it, we try making geeking out on goaltending cool on the show. <laughs> why we call it that's why we call it goalie hacks uh but no it's been really great and, and it's great meeting guys like you and obviously a uh, pleasure to have you on and, and we love bringing on guests that that have both played and, and coach at the next level uh and i know today we'll just really shed a ton of light for everyone listening what it takes to, to make that jump and have success so uh can you let people know where they can uh, get in touch with you online uh i'm not really I wouldn't say I'm off the grid, but I wouldn't say I have an online presence or anything. Uh, just email. Uh, sure. If you have any questions or anything, it's sabakadog uh, at gmail. Uh, Sabaka, we got our dog. She's now extremely old and uh, hanging on, let's say. Um, but we named her Sabaka because we thought we were going back over to Russia. Sabaka is the Russian word for dog. Right. Uh, <laughs> so my email is sabakadog uh, at gmail. So if anyone has right any questions on. or so go check out Alex Westlin and, and uh, I'll have his uh, email linked in the show notes if, if anybody wants to connect with him. But he's experienced tons of success at the next level for over 20 years now and still going strong. And uh, I know him and his guys have an incredibly bright future ahead of them. But maybe somewhere down the road, we'll, we'll have you back on the show if that's something that interests you. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, Coach. Good luck as we roll through the second half of the season. You, you take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon. You too. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, goalies. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months. Make sure to tune back into the show in two weeks and every other Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next episode, I have Connor Lacuve, former hockey's champion, now turned pro starter uh, over in the top Finnish league, Liga, in Finland. And we dive into the ups and downs of his career and how younger goalies can prepare to be championship goaltenders for the challenges that lie ahead of them at the next level. And Connor dropped some fire in this conversation. It was a pleasure having him. And you know you guys aren't going to want to miss it. So make sure to tune back. 
next episode. And finally, big shout out to all the people who rate and review our show. I think we are so grateful uh, for everybody. Just I always constantly uh, go through there, check out what people are saying. The feedback has been phenomenal, and I'm just so grateful for you guys. So whether you got something out of the show or you want to enter into our giveaway, uh, please go leave a, a rating and review so when people come to look at the show or they, they, they browse through it in their, um, in their catalogs, you know, they look and, and uh, they see that it's worth their time and it means a lot to us. So please uh, leave a rating or review. Please share with your friends. And obviously, without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions we're giving away. And to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. And if you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, feel free to hit me up either by email or Instagram direct messages to get more details. Additionally, Spotify has now added uh, a rating and review section as well in the app. So uh, we also will be accepting rating and reviews in the Spotify app as well. Uh, in the in the process falls the same way. If you guys want to take a screenshot and send it over, uh, that'd be great. So get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next episode.